Okay, folks, we're coming to you semi-live once again from the fireside campfire area at the Rots residence overlooking a soon-to-be cornfield. Is Fred playing corn in that this year? Fred's putting corn in this year. Um, Beautiful evening out here in Pennsylvania. Ten days away from the infamous turkey opener. I guess we are three days away from the Pennsylvania youth opener, mm-hmm. which is exciting. Yeah. If you have a youth to go with, kind of go get your toes in the water. Um, but before we get into hunting, I think we wanted to just touch on this past weekend. Yeah. And what happened. Just talk a little bit. What's up, guys? Uh, it's been, what, about a month and a half since... Uh, Sorry, we're here with Seth and, yeah. and Clayton. Yeah, <laughs> the usual cast. The cast of characters. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it can be characters with only two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's plural. It's plural. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's been, a, what, about a month and a half since we have sat down and, and chatted. But, um, yeah, before, we were just talking a little bit before we started and just thinking about what's gone on since the last time we podcasted but really the only thing that i can think of right now this week that's going on it was the uh the masters this past weekend incredible yeah so um i'm sure we mentioned before clayton um is a recovering professional golfer uh was a college golfer amazing golfer so um he certainly has has the uh the bug or the itch or whatever you call it, it's in his blood. I'm somewhat of a, a golfer myself. Um, and we were just talking a little bit about, Clayton, you actually went down to the Masters. I was there Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, so why don't you just talk about that real quick? Um, for anybody that's going to listen to this podcast that's into golf, if you're not putting in for Masters tickets every year, you're, you're crazy. Yeah. Um, it's everything times 10 that it is on television sometimes you like go into stuff you see on tv and it's a letdown yeah when you get there augusta is is the opposite of that yeah yeah i think i asked you it's how it was up yeah from what i thought it was i said how was it and you said it's really nice it's way nicer than i thought <laughs> and i thought it was going to be really nice <laughs> so it, that's the only way i know how to describe yeah, it yeah that doesn't happen that often where you go into something expecting it to be really nice and it still blows your expectations and it's nicer than you thought it was going to be yeah but just just that whole tournament and obviously tiger woods won i mean i wouldn't be playing golf if it wasn't for tiger woods um he sort of opened up the game to the masses if you will and um i wouldn't know clayton if it wasn't for golf we have a mutual friend um who i met clayton through that i used to play a lot of golf with we still play golf with good friend of ours um sort of got introduced to clayton through him and that's how clayton and i got hooked up and started hunting together and became friends so i mean the game of golf for me has opened up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities but just the tournament the 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 struggles that tiger went through and then to come back yeah and just the story i mean it was it was pretty unbelievable really i gotta go out i have to get this off my chest because there's a couple of people that text me every time the tiger's in contention that hate tiger yeah because for whatever reason whether they 
don't care for how he acts on the golf course. Um, you know, they judge him for how many Denny's waitresses he slept with <laughs> yeah, over the years, yeah, which yeah. that's a conversation for a different day. But I, Tiger's been my hero since 97 when I was nine. Yeah. And he's still my hero today. And I'm not saying that anything he did off the course was right between the women and, you know, taking too many painkillers and whatever. But right. I don't care about that. I care about Tiger between the first hole and the 18th hole. That's why I like him because exactly. he's just fun to watch. He makes the game better. I mean, there's people talking about him on every TV show, podcast, radio station that don't even watch golf. It's unbelievable. And if any other player won the Masters, they wouldn't even mention it. No, they w- they would have said, oh, some guy named Patrick Reed won the Masters. Yeah, who's that? <laughs> so NBA playoffs start today, you know. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, nobody has ever – change the face of a sport um i mean yeah they talk about tiger moving the needle he is the needle man he is the needle uh, yeah He's I, the reason those guys are playing for so much money right now exactly so i didn't see what the ratings were for the sunday broadcast but i i gotta think it was up i mean just tremendously over last year yeah. obviously but so what do the guys say that text you that don't like tiger uh, one guy said he's the black eye of the game of golf. Like, they're rooting for him to hit it in they're the They're rooting water. against yeah. him. Um, you know, how can you root for this guy? And I just say back, how can you not? Yeah. And then I, I mean, get into the whole discussion, you know, about I always say he's the greatest because, you know, I mean, the older generation can say what they want about Jack Nicklaus. No. No, that leaderboard <laughs> on not Sunday. not Tiger. I'm sorry. Well, not only that. He was playing against a bunch of... Alcoholics and club pros. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tiger's playing against the best, yeah, you know, athletes in the world that play golf. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at those guys that had a chance to win, had a little uh, tractor go by. We live in the country, so. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, I mean, Ricky Fowler. I mean, all those guys, man. Um, Incredible. They're man. athletes. They're not. They're not just golfers. They're yeah. not. You know. Anyway. Yeah, we could go down a rabbit hole on that one, but I, I thought it was awesome. Just, I mean, you sort of root for Tiger, the way he's come back and what he's come back from, whether it be the pill addiction or, you know, he's had four, what, four knee surgeries, three back surgeries, or yeah, vice versa. Insane. His body's a, he's a robot. Yeah, exactly. So just, I mean, I guess the, the takeaway from that for me is just like, just don't give up on anything. The drive, like everybody said he was done. And he just he didn't give up, and so not saying you're gonna come back and win the Masters, but you can come back and achieve great things. He just kept working. Yeah. While people were talking, he was working. Exactly. exactly. Well, I think we can pivot off of that point, and how you said that we both we met each other through Kevin. Yep. I remember. I think I remember this correctly. It was a long time ago, probably in high school, um, that we met and you know started talking about hunting. That's kind of how we. Yeah. I guess got to know each other and um i think it ended up being that you we talked about going on a turkey hunt yep and you and i i think that was maybe our first hunt together wasn't it It was that was yeah a successful one yeah <laughs> yeah that was our first time we ever well, went hunting was, together. right yeah i think we maybe went fishing a time or two over penn national in the pond but we never went hunting that together. was our first hunt yeah and you were just back from lsu like on spring oh, break so or i was something. in college yeah you were in college okay but i think we had talked about trying to do that hunt for a couple years before we actually yeah. you know how that goes uh, yeah 
let's let's go hunting this spring and then five years later we yeah. still had yeah we should go hunting this spring <laughs> <laughs> yeah remember how we were talking about going hunting so yeah so um yeah that was the first time we ever went on and uh up at my camp up at the the ground that i'm a part of and it was later in turkey in pennsylvania season it was i think the third week i remember how green it was it was like yeah it was like the middle of summer i want to say I've got a weird memory for stuff like this, but it was like May 18th or May 20th or something like that. So it was towards the end. It was the second half of the Pennsylvania season, and we just had one of those hunts. So I was probably home for summer then. That's a good point. You yeah. probably were. Yeah, that's exactly what it was, I'll bet you. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about Sorry. it, you're right. So, yeah, that makes sense. That's probably why I was late. Well, it's probably went late. Yeah, you, that's exactly what it was. That's yeah. exactly what it was. So we got out, and um, I mean, I, I've been tore up with turkey hunting for. I, I went on my first turkey hunt when I was 16 as a youth with a buddy of mine who we can talk about a little bit later. But um, I just got addicted to turkey hunting through that, and then um, Clayton and I went on this hunt, and it was probably still one of the best hunts. I mean, it was just. It's just like one of those hunts that every turkey hunter dreams of. The bird cooperated. He gobbled. He did everything you'd want him to do. And Clayton shot him in the face at about 30 yards. And I was having a heart attack. I never see. I could. I'll never forget the look on your face, man. When you when you turned around, like you could just tell you were like in a different world. <laughs> like the adrenaline that was going through your body, and you're just like. I what? legitimately. I was thinking through my head. I remember this. I was like, what, 20 years old, 18, 19. Yeah. I was like, I'm about to die of a heart attack at 20 <laughs> years old. I could feel my heart beating like in my neck. That was that was crazy <laughs> how that happened because we set up on this turkey. We heard this turkey gobble, I mean, four or 500 yards away probably because we were up on that ridge and then we came down and walked around to him, yeah. if you remember. But he answered us and I, from a long distance and... Um, we just kept checking and moving in on him, and finally, I think I left my gun, and uh, we crawled up to this last spot, and he was down over this bank on the edge of a field, and I had a good idea. I knew the lay of the land. I had a good idea where he was, and I was like, this is where we got to make our last stand right here. We're not going to be able to get closer to him, and um, so I did some soft calling to him and scratching the leaves a little bit, and he gobbled at the bottom of the hill, and then he, you know, he shut up. And Clayton's sitting there looking down over the hill and where the turkey last gobbled. And I'm sort of looking out the ridge or out the road past him. We were set up off this little four-wheeler path. And uh, he freaking, I see this white head coming up. And Clayton's wide open to the turkey. And I'm just like, don't move, don't move. And the turkey just hammered right there 40 yards right in our face looking for the hen. And I'm watching Clayton, and I'm like, oh, man, I just hope he's able to keep it together because I, I know what he's feeling right now. I'm just telling him, don't move, don't move, because he's looking for us. The turkey's looking for us, and he goes in the strut, and he puts I couldn't his, see any of this. He puts his fan out, and when he spun around the strut, his fan blocked his head, and I told Clayton, turn, 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 and Clayton swung around, and when the turkey turned back around out of strut, uh, Clayton shot him, but... Uh, man, it would. I had like the best view of that hunt. I'll never forget it. But that was sweet. Yeah. So that was. Yeah, man. We really. That was my. That was my introduction to turkey hunting. That was turkey hunting. Like, That's all right. This is sweet. Yeah, that was. As, <laughs> and that was as good as it gets right there. It doesn't get any better. They don't often go that way. Um, sometimes you get lucky. And so anyway, uh, we can probably talk a lot about what went into that hunt to make that successful. But um, 
Anyway, I, I'm tore up with turkey on. We probably talked about it before. I, I would almost rather spring gobbler hunt than do any other kind of hunting. Outside of bow hunting the rut, um, nothing's even close for me. Bow hunting the rut for whitetails is, you know, it's like 1A and 1B for me. But um, other than that, I, I'm just, yeah, so I'm just rambling at this point. But. So we're 10 days out. <laughs> yeah. So um, I have been doing absolutely nothing to kill a turkey <laughs> other than I have been running a lot of trail cameras and successfully I may add I've pretty much pinpointed right six or seven different gobblers on our the property we're gonna hunt yeah um time of day you know yep. I mean <laughs> that camera scouting has been su- as successful as anything yeah you know we talked about that even <laughs> with deer hunting man they're useful you gotta use them you can't I mean, they don't tell the whole story, but they at least give you that little snapshot in time of the where only, the turkeys are. There it is. Yeah. yeah. I, the only thing I can't tell is where they're roosting. Exactly. And maybe hundred percent where they're coming into that little area from. But yeah. Yeah. So I started scouting, actually going out and listening probably about two weeks ago, which is later than what I usually do. But, um, you know, just life and work and all that stuff. Um, so I've been going out the last few mornings. Last week I went out four mornings, I think, and listened. Uh, I went out. I didn't go this morning. I went yesterday morning. Um, I think Clay and I are going to go tomorrow morning. But the biggest thing, you know, a month leading up to the season, that's usually what I'm doing at least two, three mornings a week if I can, as, you know, your schedule permits, is just getting out there and listening for turkeys on the roost. Um, and that's where I'm putting a lot of my focus in. I'm practicing my calling every day. I'm at my home office. I'm sitting there with a mouth call in, or I'll, I'll have my friction calls laying there beside me, and I'll be running those. Um, so I work for my home office, which is kind of nice, and, and I'll hit those in between emails and phone calls. Um, so, so Yeah, so like we were talking before we got started here, do you, so you, I guess, how should I word this? Is the scouting that you do, a week before the season different than the scouting you do a month before the season like are you um are you moving in any closer to try and really pinpoint are you using locator calls are you uh, do you ever call to the birds while you're scouting because i know some people do yeah i don't usually and no it's gonna be i i might try to get a smidge closer to them so the first time a couple times i go out I'm going to be trying to just listen and cover as much ground as I can and just say, okay, there's a gobbler roosted in this general area. There's a gobbler roosted in this general area. And now this week, like tomorrow, we're going to go out, and I heard those birds last week. I think we'll probably check those out tomorrow and probably move in a little bit closer. And when I'm talking about a little bit closer, I'm still talking like 150 yards, 200 yards, um, because I don't want to bump them. I don't want them to think anything else is going on besides they're waking up and getting with the hens or doing whatever they're going to do to do that day and i'll I'll just try to pay attention to them hopefully they'll gobble a little bit on the ground it's tough if they're roosted with hens sometimes they'll gobble on the roost and fly down and they don't say a whole lot more at least you know because i'm doing this before work so i'm leaving the woods by 6 30 7 o'clock i just want to see where they're at listen to them fly down see if they gobble which direction they want and this is where it really pays off your scouting and in January, February, and March, and just knowing the lay of the land. Yeah. So when a turkey 
roost in that area, you know what that land looks like already from your head and you think, oh man, I know there's a big thicket on this side or there's a, a creek there or there's, you know, green briars. Or, yeah, around. there's a strut zone. Yeah. I know how to get in there. And I know basically probably where that turkey's gonna want to go. And that's that's what you want to focus on, just learning the lay of the land, where the you know the hollows are, um, where those little knobs are, where the open areas are, where he might want to go strut. Um, so then when you find a turkey rooster in there, you think, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'll bet you he's going up on that bank, pitching up into that tree there, flying down, and then from there he's going to work his way over to this area or whatever. So I, I'm not trying, and I, I mean... Usually I try not to even take any turkey calls with me when I'm when I'm scouting because it's too tempting to want to call to them. Right. Um, so I mean, if I'm out in a totally new area that I've never hunted before, and I'm not hearing anything, I, I might get out a call and make some turkey sounds to see if I can elicit turkey a, sounds. You're yeah, not, you're not ripping an owl or a crow or anything like that. Um, I'm not personally. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Or a car horn. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not, I mean, an hour of crow is great. An hour, especially right before, you know, gobble time in the early, even when it's still a little bit dark out, you can hit that and get them to go. I mean, they'll gobble out at any time of the day, but I mean, that's fine, fine thing to do. I, I just prefer, um, for me, like I said, if I'm in a new area, I, I'll use, I'll use a turkey call. Um, I'll do some cutting or it depends on, you know, what time of day it is. I'll try to just get them to gobble at a turkey call. So every now and then I'll, I might pull out a crow call, but I just just never got into doing it that way. So nothing wrong with it. A lot of guys locate them that way. But probably just because I'm more proficient with a turkey call than I am an owl or a, a crow call is one thing. Dude, I wasn't overly fired up for turkey season. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I kind of was getting there, but I'm getting real fired up talking about this right now. <laughs> I'm, like, replaying all the hunts Yeah. in my mind. Like, oh, man, I can't wait to be standing out there in the pitch black, just waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> and then it just goes from zero to a hundred as soon as you hear that first call like all right let's go yeah you know yeah that's you gotta make although it. in pennsylvania you're not supposed to be moving around yeah yeah especially you that, know, without orange or anything like that so definitely te technically if you're moving make sure you have orange on when you're running and gunning yeah which or stay put you know <laughs> I guess we can talk about that. I know I didn't even think about that. Yeah, um, I think we can talk about that because I, I like to have a little bit of a regulation discussion in every podcast. We have to talk about that in a way because that was something I was going to get into as we talk more strategy and sort of maybe give away some of the trade secrets that you know you can only learn from doing this for fifteen years. Yeah. So if anybody out in the podcast world hunts where me and seth do you can tune out right now <laughs> yeah yeah in pennsylvania by law it's illegal to stock turkey sounds so and that's i mean i can understand the rule they just want to prevent people from hearing a guy calling sneaking up on it right thinking it's a turkey and, and shooting it but i mean it's it's almost like a double i mean if the first rule is always identify your target, you shouldn't have to worry about that. But, right. I mean, accidents happen every year. And turkey hunting is very, it can be one of the more dangerous, not to discourage anybody from going. Oh, yeah. But it can be one of the more dangerous sports to partake in just 
it's exciting. A lot of things happen. There's a lot of stuff going. You are duplicating the sound of a wild turkey. Um, I mean, I'll, we both have the same distant family member that got shot. Yeah, I so. I've, I know two people that's actually been shot spring turkey. Yeah, hunting. it happens for sure. Yeah, it does. It happens every year. But, I mean, I guess that's just you, you got to identify your target. I mean, that's rule number one. I mean, always treat a gun like it's loaded and then, you know, never point something you don't want to shoot and and always identify your target. Those three things are like the fundamentals for any anybody I'm going hunting with better have those things down or we're not going hunting. No doubt. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I never, I didn't think about that, but it's, it's pretty difficult to hunt and kill turkeys. Well, you can hunt turkeys. It's hard to kill turkeys regular, regularly without moving in on them. You're, you're going to have to move on that turkey. So whether you consider that stalking or not, I don't, I wouldn't, by my definition, really call it stalking. I'm just getting in a position to where I think I can kill that turkey. Right. I'm not really stalking after his sound. I might be moving around him, but you're going to have to move on that turkey. And so I think the definition's probably a little bit vague by design there. Right. So, yeah, I think so. It leaves a little bit of a leeway. Yeah, exactly. So it does. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing with... Um, I mean, we can talk about reaping or fanning turkeys, which is... I don't know that much about it. You're more than welcome to touch on it. I mean, yeah. I've seen it on videos, you know. Yeah. The guy's got, um, they spot a turkey, and he has either a fan attached to him or his gun or his bow, and he just basically moves toward the bird yeah. looking like a strutting gobbler. Yeah. But that's also a good way for a guy who's especially on public land or yeah. something like that who's hunting a gobbler to see a fan and and just shoot right. in the direction of the fan and end right. up shooting a person yeah I, i'm not gonna turn this into sitting here telling people how to hunt i'm not a fan of that i'll never do that i mean i shouldn't say never if the right opportunity i would never do it on public ground i'll say that right and i would be very very hesitant to do, to do it on private ground and plus i just i mean i think it'd be neat to do in a way but um it just, I don't know, part of the turkey hunt for me is the, the calling and that kind of stuff. So Right, the back and forth. Yeah, exactly. So it's not for me. Um, in Pennsylvania, it's technically illegal because I would certainly think that would be stalking a turkey at that point. I'd say that's probably... Yeah, you're, you're going to have a tough time <laughs> explaining that one to the game more if you get caught. So um, Yeah, probably but so. But if you are doing that, just, man, be careful. It's it can be It can be pretty dangerous, especially like... In states like West Virginia, I don't know if you you can use a rifle in spring gobbler season. Really? So I could, yeah. So I could see a guy, you know, 200 yards away looking in a field, and here's this guy with a fan in front of his face. and Bell, I mean, Belly crawling. Belly crawling. Yeah. And so, it, like I said, it's not for me. I'm not going to – if it's legal where you're hunting at, you know, go for it, have at it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do, but it, it's not for me. I, I'm not into it. But they call it fanning or reaping or right. whatever you want to call it. Um it's not for me. So anyway. Um, well, we talked about some tactics, and I'm sure we'll touch on some more. But yeah. um, obviously you are very closely associated with custom pro calls. Yep. Call yep. company. Yep. Um, you guys are making mostly slates? We make everything. Everything? I would, yeah, I mean – I would say we sell more slate calls just because that's what guys know about right. mostly that are new to turkey hunting. Everybody knows, oh, you need a slate call for a friction call or a pot call. I mean, you can call them a bunch of different things. But um, 
But, but we make, um, so we're talking about pot calls. Um, my buddy Jeff Graham started custom pro calls. Um, I mean, he's been building turkey calls under multiple different companies' names for the last 35, 40 years. But I think in 2005, he started up custom pro calls. So he's been at it under this brand for 15 years going on now, I guess. And um, But, I mean, he builds them out of any exotic wood that you want, any, any calling surface, so glass, aluminum, slate, um, copper. I mean, there's... Yeah, I mean, check this calls out, custom yeah. pro calls. They're pretty... Yeah. I mean, they're not only do they sound great, they're beautiful, the, the calls he's making. Yeah, there, there's a lot of guys out there making good calls, but, I mean, if you're getting into it, um, there's a lot of good um, people on Facebook pages you can check out. I mean, do yourself a favor and get a custom call. You're going to spend a little bit more money, but a lot of these guys, I mean, all the calls that we build are hand-tuned one by one. We match the striker with the call. And, I mean, if you're not satisfied with it, you can send it back to us, and we'll give you your money back. So, um, I, I mean, that's one thing for people getting Shameless into it. plug. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and like I said, there's a lot of guys out there making good calls, certainly. The one call I have sitting here besides is a buddy of ours that builds calls. So, I, I use a couple different guys, but, I mean, support the, the small guys, the custom guys. I mean, yeah, you can go to a Walmart or a big box store and get yourself a Primos or, you know, a Night and Hail or a HS. I mean, they're all fine calls, too, but, you know... You're getting a mass-produced call, and you have no idea what it's going to sound like when you get it out of the package. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So anyway, I mean, just there's a lot of good call companies out there that you can check into. But I, I would recommend getting a custom call if you're going to be getting into. It'll make it easier on yourself. And um, we talked about that in that one duck hunt episode. It's just like if you're going to learn to, if you're going to take the time and learn to call. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you're gonna you're gonna want a nice call, so you might as well get it up front, right? And exactly. Learn on something that's actually gonna work. Yeah, and like I said, just you can do some research. I mean, I'm not shamelessly plugging us. I mean, obviously, we would love to sell you a turkey call, but I mean, we make box calls, mouth calls, friction pot calls, anything. But there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of good good guys making turkey calls out there nowadays. So, well, um, so is Jeff. Did he teach you how to call yep. turkeys? Yep. So one of my very good friends, Jeff Graham, um, who's like I said, he's been making turkey calls for the better part of 35 to 40 years. And I got to know him through raising deer, actually, way back in the day when I was in high school. And uh, I didn't know anything about I me. Mean, I've always been into hunting. And uh, he took me on my first ever turkey hunt when I was a youth. I was 16, but I still had a youth license and uh he took me out and we had a gobbler fly off the roost and i was sitting sort of looking one way and and the gobbler landed at probably my three o'clock and i couldn't do anything because he was wide open i was wide open to the gobbler at maybe maybe 10 yards 15 yards i mean in our lap how old were you 16 never been turkey hunting before and he lands 10, 15 yards, flew right off the limb, straight straight to our tree. I mean, and that's something we can talk about. Those turkeys know exactly where you're calling from. And so anyway, he lands there, and Jeff's just saying, don't move, don't move. And, you know, I got my gun pointed out the mountain away from the turkey, and I'm just looking at him out of the corner of my eye, and he just <sighs> hammers, just rips it right in our face at 12 steps. 
And I'm like, oh, jeez. Like, you can hear it in your chest. Like, right. when a turkey gobbles that close. You can feel it. It's different. Like, yeah. it makes a different. Yeah, it almost rattles your chest. And I mean, just, because he's looking for the hen. He knows she should be there. And I'm yeah, like. where you at? And I'm like, I'm starting to come unglued, dude. I'm shaking. I'm breathing. Jeff's like, calm down. Just calm. He's sitting right <laughs> beside me. He's like, just calm down. He's coaching just, you like you yeah. coached me. Yeah. yeah. He said, just don't move. Don't move. Calm down. Bre- deep breath. Deep breath. And the gobbler hammers again. He's looking for us. And he knows something's not right. He knows his hen should be there. And so he he starts swinging around, walking around, and he gets behind a tree. And Jeff says, okay, swing over. And so I reposition, waiting for this turkey to come out on either side of this tree. And the gobbler walks straight away from us up the mountain behind that tree. We never saw him again. And from that minute on, I just became totally obsessed with it. Um, and so Jeff really got me into it. Jeff taught me how to call. I mean, it's like anything. It's like golf we talk about. I mean, it's all practice, you know. He, oh, yeah. He can give you the fundamentals, and here's, you know, the kind of call you need. Here's what to start out on, how you control the reads and that kind of stuff. But then you're just going to have to put in the hours running the call. And um, so I got hooked doing that. And, uh, yeah, it took me seven years, actually, to kill my first turkey. Really? Yeah. So it's a big learning curve for a lot of guys. I mean, you can luck into a turkey. Even I luck into turkeys now. I mean, every, every you have to be somewhat lucky even to kill the things because they're so, I mean, they're so on edge. I know um, guys have been hunting for 20 years that haven't shot a gobbler. Yeah. Yeah, they're tough. They can be. So the learning curve on them is pretty tough. And if you don't have somebody... Like Clay and I were talking earlier, the the kid I'm friends with, like I started playing golf with somebody that shot, you know, 68, 70, you scratch golfer. It's almost like turkey hunting. That's who I started turkey hunting with. Right. Somebody that was shooting 65, you know. Right. I didn't go out with somebody who was shooting 120. No, you learn from a good, a right. good player. Yeah, exactly. And so that sort of helped shrink the learning curve. But um, it's, I mean, and I'm not by any means an expert. Um, I luck into a couple every year, it seems like, but... It's 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 a there it's a challenge to kill a turkey on a regular basis. I'll say that. So, but yeah, that's what got me into it, um, and sort of just been friggin' tore up with it ever since, really. So I would say the, in my opinion, the mark of a good hunter. And this will probably you know this could be debated, but a guy that can kill turkeys consistently every year, and a guy that can shoot a buck in. Whatever, I mean, any state every year with a bow and arrow. Yeah, yeah. Those guys know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you'll luck into a turkey every couple of years, even if you just hunt a lot and don't know anything, you know, and have a lot of patience. Yeah. You know, you'll luck into one. One come in your zone at some point. At some point, you'll get lucky enough. Um, but to kill more regular, I mean, the thing is with turkey hunting, you have to have a lot of woodsmanship. I think that's an underrated thing. You can be a great caller, and calling definitely helps. But the guy, I mean, you really have to have, you have to know how to get around in the woods. Um, Dude, it goes as far as you need to know when you get in the zone and your heart's jacked up. Yeah. Like that hunt we had last year right up here. Yeah. You got to know what tree, <laughs> and you got to know what hole, like, I mean, I, I got lucky probably, but you got to know what hole to pick. Right. That yeah. that sucker's coming through. Right. Hopefully coming through. Yeah. And they rare they very rarely very rarely come through the the picture frame that you think they're gonna come through. 
Yeah. But at that point, that I mean, that turkey made me look good because I picked. Yeah, well, there's like that little foot, shooting lane there almost. A four-foot shooting lane, and he came right through it. Oh, man, that was beautiful. But, yeah, so that's who got me into it. Um, and so I actually got my own mouth call press here a couple weeks ago. and so That's exciting. Yeah, I've been playing around with it. The mad scientist. Yeah, now. yeah. Jeff always builds me all my mouth calls and all, you know, my friction calls and stuff. And I've always just wanted to play around with myself just so I can build a call whenever I want and just, you know, screw around with it. So... Um, I've been playing around with that the last couple of weeks, and uh, it takes me about, you know, Jeff can build 10 calls by the time I can build one, but it's like... That's all right. Jeff probably, he started the yeah, same yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. He probably knew less than you did when you oh, started. Oh, yeah. He, you know? he pioneered it, man. He was doing it back when there weren't that many guys doing it. Right. So, um, but no, that's that's how I got my start into it, and it's been, like I said, I've been addicted to it ever since. So, so. um... All this talk about calling, yeah. Um, I think we've talked about this, and you said you probably. I think you said you probably wouldn't do it, but like calling competitive turkey calling, yeah, is yeah. Um, a spectacle, maybe. Yeah. Well, those guys are good. Between man. the body language, <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. Mean, there's, you know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, the dude's up there, yeah. literally flapping his arms like he's a turkey. Yeah, and yelping <laughs> with his hand. Yeah, those guys are unbelievably good, though. I mean, it's sort of like it's almost like they turn themselves into a turkey. Yeah, I think there. they. Re- I think they really do. They get yeah. in that mindset because those guys practice their routine. So the big show that, at least anybody that has any clue about turkey hunter into that kind of stuff, the Grand Nationals. We're in, talking about a niche. Yeah, it's niche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the Grand Nationals in Tennessee. Um, at the NWTF convention in February, that's the bit. That's the granddaddy of them all, if you will, for turkey calling competitions. And those guys are going through the routine for months ahead of times, and they know when they want to cluck and yelp and all that stuff. And I think that sort of helps them get in the mindset of they're a turkey when they're up there doing it. But so it's sort of funny to watch that way. But make no doubt, of, those guys are unbelievable running a turkey call, man. I mean, yeah. totally unbelievable. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, and I haven't watched a ton of turkey com- calling competitions, but I don't know if you've ever seen a duck calling competition. I have not. But there's a division of duck calling competitions called meat calling, which is I pretend like I'm in a blind. Yeah. And I'm trying to call this duck in to kill it. Right. And then there's another division um, named, you know, they call it different things at every competition, but where guys are just, who can blow the call the hardest and the fastest? It doesn't even sound like a duck. Right. It's it just like, sounds like whining and just ripping. Just wailing on it, the is there Is there that aspect of in turkey calling competitions, or is it all pretty lifelike? No, it's pretty, I mean, so there's sort of two, it's almost something like that. So the one style, they will just have, give me the plain hen yelp, give me a cutting of a hen, give me a, a tree call, uh, key key run whatever yeah so you'll just make those sounds but then they mix it up every year um they'll have a lot of times they'll have a team challenge mm-hmm. where they'll have a scenario and they'll say okay really? it's uh it's may um or april they'll, they'll set the time of year and they'll say there's a small flock with jakes they get real specific yeah huh? and you know set that scene or two gobblers fighting set that scene or a hen and so then the guys, will, and that's really cool, because one guy will usually have a gobble, you know, he'll gobble, and you'll hear him make, you know, 
crow calls and owl calls during it and yelping and cutting and so they make it sound like man i was just up in the woods listening to this so right yeah so they usually mix it up a little bit so i mean and that's so i mean so it's not like meat hunting and the other one but i mean other i mean there's none that's just like well that's even more realistic oh yeah it's totally yeah. i mean yeah so well um if you would do us the honor we have some mouth calls sitting here yeah and a slate a couple slates sitting here can you kind of yeah, we could go through just the... Kind of run us through the Kiki. Um, I, some... I can't... I don't think I have anything. So the Kiki run is really only a call that you use pretty heavily in the fall. You, I mean, you can use it in the springtime, but that's a fall call. So what a... See, ki- I hear every every guy who, who turkey hunts, who may not be kind of like me, like somewhere between a novice and yeah. kind of knows where to go. Yeah, you know? yeah. That, oh... Kiki, I'm Kiki running, and I don't really know that if they know what yeah. they're talking about. Yeah, Kiki run is a, a, a sound that generally a juvenile turkey makes in the fall when she's lost from the flock. And I, I mean, I'll try to do. I, I don't ever really practice it. And you can use it in the spring, and guys will use it in the spring. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's just not a call that you're going to hear that often. Um, it's, it's almost like a, a whistle sound followed up by a couple like immature yelps is what it sounds like. But I'll put a mouth call in here and get it loosened up. I mean, I'll try it, but I, I, I can't key key on a mouth call. So, I, mean, I guess we could just start with some light calling. So, how I would, you know, approach a setup. Well, how about, like, um, I think this would be a great podcast for people that are just getting into turkey hunting. Yeah. Can you give us, like, this is a Yelp. Yeah. This is a purr. This is a cluck. Yeah, sure. And then maybe string them together, and and then talk about you know what what this that is how hen's it would string doing. Them together, what that hen's doing and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing. It's not always so much it's you like, know. It's not how to say it. It's what to say. Yeah, it's what you're saying. Yeah. Like it, if it's early in the morning, you know, you don't want to be necessarily. I mean, you can listen to what the turkeys are doing if you're around them, but. You don't want to necessarily be ripping on your call when it's still dark out and being like, well, I can't believe they're not gobbling at that because no no hen's going to be doing that. I mean, there's always anomalies and everything, but I'm just talking about the, the 99% of the time is right. what I'm talking about right. right now. So I guess, you know, the first call I would start out with early in the morning would be a what would they call a tree call. This is when the gobbler is in the tree still. This is so you heard a gob. You went up. You're listening. You're standing there in the dark. You hear a turkey gobble 200 yards away. You move into 100 yards on him, set up, and this is the first call. I, I would let that turkey hear. Let him know I'm over here. So it's a very soft call. The hen just woke up, and I mean it's going to be pretty light. I mean it'll just be it'll be a couple you know soft clucks and maybe a couple soft yelps. So it's just going to be. So she's just, I mean, Super it's light. under the breath, almost yeah. is what I call it. So she's just, she's just barely waking up. Just clearing her throat. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm hunting on public ground, if I'm hunting anywhere and that turkey hammers at that, that might be all I call to him when he's on the tree right there. That's he, it. He knows He knows I'm at. there. Yeah. Now, you know, especially if he's roosted by himself or at least without any other hens. But if you're sitting there and the morning goes on. And then a hen starts calling, and you know you have some competition. Then you're going to want to try and ratchet it up and be like, okay, 
I'm going to have to try and entice this gobbler to come check me out first before that hen gets to him. Because so. I, I think you can probably speak to this better than me, but in nature, yep. the turkey gobbles to bring the hen to him Ex instead of, exactly. I'm a hen, the gobbler comes to me. Right. The gobbler is used to calling the hens to him. Yep, yep. That's Yes, that's a big misconception. The natural thing, I mean, even if you look at uh, mostly all birds, the males are generally always more colorful, and that's for breeding purposes. That's why he struts. Right. He's, he's he's on display to attract, so that's come, why he's gobbling, strutting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he's saying, here I am, you know, and, yeah. and it's the female's job, if you will, to go to him to be bred. Right. So, you're trying to reverse the pattern of nature, which... Which is, is the opposite of humans. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact opposite, yeah. Yeah. You can strut all you want, Clay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm putting out my vibe you over here. better make a move at some point, because yeah. they're staying where they're, where they're at. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's what you would start out with, um, is, a, uh, is a tree call. And that, again, that's just a little light clucking, yelping, very, very soft... The, a turkey could hear that that call right there from at least 200 yards away. Yeah. He would be able to hear that. So, um, so then I guess the next call that you would move into, um, and I'll just do a plain yelp, and then we can talk about fly down cackles and cutting and all that stuff. So, so this would be a, a this is like the most universal turkey sound that there is probably is just a plain yelp of a hen, and it's just going to sound like this. So that's that's just a that's a yelp, plain yelp, standard yelp, whatever you want to call it. It's a little bit more excited in the springtime. The hens are more excited, and, and gobblers will yelp too, um, more so in the fall. But they will yelp in the spring, and it's a slower, deeper, more raspy yelp. I mean, it's it's going to be more. So, so the gobblers will actually make that sound. Yep. So gobblers. So you don't want to be calling like that. I mean, you can call in a lot of gobblers that way, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you, in the springtime, it's more of a... She's excited. You know, that's an excited yelp. Um, so then um, so then the cluck. So the yelp and the cluck, I mean, those those are two of the probably most common turkey noises. The yelp, by far, is number one. And then a, a plain cluck is just going to be a, just a short... And you'll, you'll hear them do that. You, you'll, you know, cluck and purr, they'll add that in. A lot of people know that. Um, Show us a purr, because that's probably the sexiest sound in turkey yeah. calling. <laughs> and that's something you want to be calling. So when a turkey's purring like that and clucking, that's a content call. That means, hey... I'm over here. I've got some good food. I'm yeah. scratching. I'm hanging out. I'm doing my thing. Yeah, yeah. If you want some, come and get it. Right. Like, I'm just, I'm just hanging out here. And so that's, that's a call you would probably try to use if you got a bird out there at 80 yards. I'm with my friends. Yeah. It's parties. <laughs> you know, the water's nice. Yeah. Jump on in. Yeah. So she's hanging out. She's scratching. She's just milling around, feeding. 
And so you got that bird hung up out there at 80 yards, you know, that seems to be their, their magic, you know, 70, 80 yards. They'll come and draw a line in the sand and say, all right, I've come this far, it's you. And then you're like, well, you know, if the terrain allows it, maybe you can tr try to readjust, you probably can't. So then you just want to throw out a couple real soft, some wine, some little purrs like that. And she just says, hey, I'm, I'm hanging out over here. You're going to have to come the rest of the way. I'm good. Right. So, um... So that's that mean the the purr, the yelp, and the cluck. If you know those three things, you can you can hunt turkeys till the day you're dead in Pennsylvania with just that right there. And at that point, it probably comes down to experience. Like, you know, a gobbler's doing this. You know, that's probably not something. It's probably something that's hard to teach on a podcast. You know. Yeah, exactly. I need to throw out a purr now. I need to start yelping. Yeah. I need to start. You gotta read the turkey's body language, right. if you will, without seeing them and understand. You know, if he's if he's hammering, so this is one thing you got to be careful, though, of. It's fun to hear that turkey gobble, right? But turkeys don't, if you ever seen a turkey walking and then gobble, what's he do? He stops. He stops and gobbles. So every time he's gobbling, he's stopping. So there's a couple things going on. First off, if you're hunting on public ground, every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's up there hunting around you, you know that turkey's there. They can hear it, too. So you don't want that turkey. I mean, it's fun to hear him gobble. You want that. But on the second hand, if you want, I mean, you don't want a lot of attention drawn to him if you're on the public. Yeah. Plus, you're going to give other hens more time to maybe come in and cut him off and grab him too. So everybody wants to hear him gobble, but if he's coming, just let him come. You know, if you're calling and he's getting closer, I'll just, you know, I'll give him a little bit, let him know I'm still interested. Yeah. But you got to just let him work to you because. The more you just stand there and make him gobble, and he just stand there and you call and he gobbles, you call and he gobbles, that turkey, you're never going to kill that turkey. He's just going to stand there and continue to gobble. Chances are he might have hens with him, or he might just be like, oh, I'm just here in my strut zone. I'm, I'm good. And so you got to make it. It's like curiosity killed the cat. It's almost a little bit that way with gobblers. Yeah, too. you got you to gotta let them know, hey. Yeah, We're I'm, over here. I'm yeah. interested, but like, but yeah, I'm not. yeah, I'm not that interested. <laughs> I'm playing hard to get. Yeah, right now. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I think last year when you shot that turkey, he sort of held his ground out there for a good while, and then I shot it down on him for and went, you know, four or five minutes. Probably I didn't call to him at all, and then the next time I called, I turned my head and yelped like I was leaving, and then he couldn't take it. He's like, "Oh man, she's out of here. I gotta come check it out." Playing so hard going. to get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you and that just it's yeah. such a chess match. Yeah, it is, man. It's and cat and mouse. It's like the the debate in the turkey world is: are turkeys really smart, <laughs> or are they really stupid? I think they're. I think it's both. <laughs> well, they're not smart. They're very, very edgy. Like weary, got, weary. Yeah, yeah. Be, you got to figure like whether it was you know a possum or a coon or a snake. You know, from the time their eggs are laid. Until the time the thing either gets, it's always hunted. Something's accurate. Some, the eggs, it's hunted. When it's little, then you got hawks and, you know, owls and fox and coyotes. I mean, yeah, every everything is trying to kill that turkey um, from the minute. So I don't know if they're actually, they're smart or uh, they're just weary. Because sometimes I feel like they're so stupid that they're coming in. And then uh, they say, oh, what's this over here? And they, lo they lost attention on what they were doing, and they just start wandering another direction. So um, Clayton had to uh, run to the bathroom real quick. So <laughs> anyway, so, that, yeah, that's, so that's, a, that's the 
basic calls and then you can string them together um, to make them, you know, make a bigger sequence. Um, I'll just wait till Clayton gets back here. So. Just go over those calls one more time so you got your yelp. And your cluck. Just going over these one more time. Yeah, hit them. And the purr. Clucking perp. For the people that are just getting a turkey call and learning how to call, what do you think is the uh, what do you think is the best way to learn? Who should they watch? Um, um, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> the, the one thing about hunting that's tough is like people on the outside look at it and want to do it, but like, how do I get started? So yeah. if you want to start turkey calling, you don't have somebody to take you, yeah, um, and somebody to teach you how to call. I mean, you just hop on YouTube and start watching yeah. some instruction or Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest way. The, the the probably the best way is get on the NWTF uh website and go to a, a local banquet. So you know I want I go to one every year, we donate a call for it, custom pro calls donates a call for it through Jeff Graham. Um but go to a banquet or reach out to somebody. Uh, every every state has a has a state president uh, for the NWTF, um, a local chapter. Everybody's got something around, so there'll be plenty of people involved with NWTF that would love to show you. But I mean, if you don't want to go that route, yeah, YouTube. Get a box call. Box calls are probably the easiest um, easiest call to learn on right out of the gate. That or a slate call. Those two calls are the easiest. Um, but that's that would be my recommendation. I mean, yeah, there's tons of YouTube videos out there on it. But but the biggest thing, I, I it, to get some in-person training, you would just reach out to your local NWTF chapter, is what I would recommend. So well, um, use your calls, scout, kill a turkey. Yeah. Um, I guess I kind of wanted to talk about after you shoot a turkey, how do we cook it? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably more your. Uh, you've done, you've tried a few more things than I have, probably. I don't know. I mean, I guess it is my world now, dude. I'm getting pretty into the wild game. Yeah, cooking. man. I'm, I'm starting to learn a lot. Yeah. I jack a bunch of recipes off other people, but that's the best way to um, do it, man. You know, it's just one of those things. that's my passion for cooking is growing larger with every hunting season. But yeah. Um. What's your favorite? preparation that you've done so far i know that the last couple of years you've probably always done yeah kind of the same thing fried them smoked them but i mean last night you did burgers right yeah i took a breast from a turkey that i killed last year and and just ground it up uh in my meat grinder and then seasoned it up really good and then i um put raw bacon on it mm -hmm. and then put it on my pellet grill my trager and uh hashtag trager hashtag trager shout out trager i mean the the biggest knock on wild turkey is i mean there's no fat on it whatsoever and so it can be a little bit difficult to cook just because it can get somewhat dry um the flavor is great i think but it, it can get a little dry so i cooked you know the bacon raw on it and sort of let that fat and that bacon grease 
cooked down into the burger rolls. Dude, they turned, actually we ate them, I made them for my wife and I last night and they turned out so good. I had some more meat, so we had them again tonight and uh, they were fantastic. Just seasoned them with some, some Traeger seasoning and then some Montreal steak seasoning, a little black pepper and just basically grilled Just like them. you're cooking a hamburger. Did cooking, you, did yeah. You, did you cut the meat with anything or it's just it was nope. just turkey and bacon just turkey and bacon yeah and everybody said oh the it won't stick to, dude they held together fine so i don't know if it was the i don't know there's the bacon of, sort of there's a lot of collagen in that meat you know it's kind of yeah it's it, it like is. when you start cutting up a turkey breast and it's not frozen it's it, it's sticky yeah yeah so it it held together great and like i said my wife loved it. and so i've made everything yeah so that turned out pretty good my, probably my favorite way and what we do, usually I go on a turkey hunting trip every year. We always throw a couple in the smoker mm -hmm. and do them on the – and, man, they turn out fantastic. We'll marinate them, um, you know, for 12 or 24 hours. We try to – if you can brine them for, like, a, a day, that's the best. Just some salt, sugar, black pepper, whatever you got. Um, I mean, I recommend doing that with any wild game. But um, – When you smoke them, what do you do then? Just slice it and kind of mm – -hmm. Just put a little sauce on it make sandwiches – just eat it like that. Just do whatever you want with it. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic, man. Um, the best way I've done so far is uh, like a schnitzel. Yeah. Uh, it's a German preparation most of the time for pork. Yep. Where they'll take a pork loin. Um, a lot of people do a chicken breast or chicken fried steak, something like that. Yep. Um, slice it as thin as you can. And then take a meat mallet or a frying pan and just pound it out till i mean honestly i do it till I, there's like par, par, portions of it that i can see, see through. through yeah real thin um i mean just like a piece of paper yeah. and um batter that up panko um a little bit of flour mixture and then just fry that in some oil in a cast iron skillet yeah so you have basically like a chicken fried turkey steak <laughs> yeah. and then honestly you put that on a roll with some homemade pickles and a couple of jalapenos or like yeah. and um some kind of aioli yeah or you know some people will use tartar sauce which is bullshit but yeah um you know homemade ketchup barbecue sauce whatever yeah, i mean it's sriracha or something it's maybe. good to do it like yeah. that because i think wild turkey gets a really bad name it in the does. cooking world and it's the people that say that just, I'm sorry to tell them, but they're not doing it right because it's yeah. good. Yeah, if you're going to just breast out a turkey and take that breast and throw it on a grill, like, first off, you probably shouldn't even cook chicken that way. You're in for some <laughs> chewing at that point. <laughs> yeah, you, it's not going to be a very enjoyable Your meal Your jaw's going to be sore the next day. Yeah, so I, I've made jerky out of it, and which, like, that sounds terrible after what you just described, but, I mean, you can do anything with it, but, I mean, it's just like anything else. It, you got to put in some effort with it you know it's not like taking a, a chunk of deer loin and throwing it on the grill and it's pretty much you can't mess it up yeah like it takes a little extra effort because it can be dry but the flavor for me is outstanding yeah really i love it so actually my wife tonight was like are you gonna be hunting turkey soon because i've been really loving that turkey Good. yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah absolutely go kill some so i'm like well yeah well i'm jack dude i am uh yeah I guess we can talk a little bit about... Um, I don't know if you want to talk about strategy at all. I want to talk about strategy. Um, dude, this has just got me so excited now. <laughs> um, Wound up. Pennsylvania turkey starts the 27th. Um, I yep. am personally headed to Nebraska to try and get on some out-of-state birds. I've never hunted 
turkeys out of state. Yeah. I've never hunted anything but eastern uh, wild turkeys, so the guy's farm that I am heading out to in Nebraska um, has Rios, Miriams, and hybrids. Oh, wow. So, um, that'll be sweet, man. I mean, in the, it's not on the top of my list, but in the back of my mind, I would like to die saying that I killed every species of turkey, you know? Um, Yeah, that's a thing. So if I could go check another one, it's a thing. So if I could go check another one off the list, I would definitely like to do it. Um, I'm really excited about this Nebraska hunt. They've been going since March 15th. Wow. So yeah, usually when I they just, start out there, it's like snow on the ground. I just hope there's some left and that they're still ripping. Oh, yeah. So there's tons of birds. I feel confident with the with the Nebraska. gentleman that I'm going with that there's going to be some birds uh, some, some somewhere that we can do something with. So yeah, exactly. No, Nebraska's pretty well known for their turkey hunting. Um, uh, I would say something that kind of sets us apart, and Virginia is probably like this. I know. You know, Tolbert just got done last week. They were down in Virginia, and they were on birds the whole trip and didn't kill one. But yep. um, kind of, can you touch on the differences between, I guess, difficulty-wise and strategy-wise on field turkeys Yeah. and, and mountain turkeys? Because yep. anybody who's ever done both knows that it's, it's night and day. Yeah, and they can both be challenging in... So if you're talking about field turkeys like they hunt them in Nebraska where you set out three or four decoys in a blind and sit there and just wait and eventually one's going to come out there, um, that's one thing. Field turkeys in Pennsylvania can be pretty tough, especially gobblers, especially because we have a lot of small fields that are surrounded by woods. Right. And the gobblers will roost in the corner or along the field edge. That's a lot like where I'm hunting. Yeah, exactly. And he'll fly straight out. When he comes off the roost, he'll fly straight out into the field. And he's, I mean, he's tough to get on at that point because he's just, you're not going to really call that turkey in that often, especially right off the roost. He's going to stand out there and strut for his hens until they go and leave him and go nest or something. Then you might be able to get on him. But, I mean, both both i mean yeah so nebraska turkey hunting sitting in a blind in the middle of a field i mean i've never been to nebraska and i've seen plenty i mean and talked to plenty of people went out there it's nothing like trying to chase down a a mountain ridge gobbler in pennsylvania that literally can do a million different things i mean that field turkey i mean they can do anything but you pretty much know what he what he's going to do and where he's going to go and the mountain man it's it's a crap shoot and you don't know if a tree had blown down there last night that blocked his whatever he's coming into you um something snuck in that you can't see a coyote another hunter i mean i mean they're both i'm not trying to say one's easier than the other they both have their challenges but i think the pressure that the pennsylvania turkey see the eastern breed in general i think are more rear, uh weary turkeys than uh miriams or rios um i mean for me i don't think anything gets much harder to hunt than pennsylvania mountain gobblers really um i've hunted them in west virginia i've hunted a little bit in maryland with some friends i've hunted um western pennsylvania which is a little different you we don't really have the mountains like we have around here per se it's more rolling hills and stuff and i would say around here the mountain turkeys are about as tough as they get for for my from my experience if you um, can kill them here you can kill them anywhere is is that is that fair jeff graham 
has hunted the guy that I mentioned earlier. He's hunted turkeys all over the country, and he'll, he'll tell you flat out, if you can hunt and kill Pennsylvania turkeys, you can hunt and kill turkeys anywhere in the country. Un, and he says that unbiased. Un, unbiased. I mean, he's hunted them everywhere. I mean, he's un, so Alabama's also pretty well known. I mean, that's sort of maybe the mecca or the epicenter for when the turkey populations had almost been wiped out. Um, Alabama still had turkeys. And so everybody says they're the hardest turkeys to hunt. Jeff's been down there dozens of times, and he said they don't have anything on Why would they be the hardest turkeys to hunt down there? Just because I think they claim, I mean, this goes back to that 10th Legion book, the Colonel Tom Kelly. I mean, they talk about those turkeys down there are like the purest strain of wild turkey. A lot of the other turkeys that you're hunting are trapped and transferred or they maybe interbred with other maybe domesticated turkeys or something like that. But, I mean, there's probably a bunch of theories, and, you know, you can probably sit around a bar in Alabama and Mm -hmm. and hear them all. But um, it's pretty – I mean, I wouldn't say it's well-known, but people in in the turkey know. I think Alabama gets probably as much credit as anywhere for having the toughest turkeys to hunt. Yeah. So, um, but – from guys that I've talked to, I've got, you know, several friends that have been down. They say, you know, what we have here is as tough as as tough as anywhere you can go. And so, anyway, I think you'll have a good time in Nebraska either way because there's a lot of turkeys out there. And they just, I mean, it's like Pennsylvania deer hunting, man. A lot of these states just don't have the pressure that we have. Right. I mean, heck, you'll have more people hunting spring gobbler on the first day of turkey season here then most states have hunting deer on their first day i got more people hunting our private ground than i did <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and they're trespassing but you know yeah, yeah. so i think the pressure that the turkey see from i was up scouting some public ground um last week on morning and you know saw two guys riding around and i'm sure what they were doing was riding the road i had walked about you know a mile and a half back in and I get back out. I'm sure they were just riding the road, got out their box call or whatever, tried to make a turkey gobble from their truck, and then just kept going. And guys will do that for two months before turkey season. Mm-hmm. And that's they're scouting. Yeah, they're quoting, and that's a terrible thing to do. I think that's why. I think that's why you had success in West Virginia last year, and I think that's why I, you and I had success in Pennsylvania public land last year is because dude that pushes those turkeys back in yeah exactly oh yeah they you don't know? like that man they don't like that at all no you know? and no wise up to a pretty quick it's it's not like it's, i don't think turkeys really get call shy you know you hear that word so much call shy well like they're they're calling to each other all day long every day so like they're not becoming call shy of of turkey noises but they are becoming of human walking trucks running all that stuff yeah they're like they're not becoming it's not the turkey call it's turning them off it's oh man i just heard that truck door shut and then 15 seconds later i hear this nope, nope, you know on a box call like that's not right that, i didn't hear that yesterday yeah exactly yeah. or somebody comes by and blows on a owl hooter for 10 minutes or whatever right and that's why i generally stay away from those things because i think i mean like you talk about locator calls and they work i'm not saying that i just try to stick i try to do things that especially on public ground that other guys aren't going to be doing would you say would you say for a guy like me who's about a five out of ten on a turkey call Mm -hmm. probably generous 
Um, You're a good five. Good five. Maybe give you a six. Good five. Solid five. You're solid, yeah. I've Um, heard worse, I've heard better. So, sometimes when I'm out by myself and Mm -hmm. I'm calling it a turkey, Mm -hmm. I'm more concerned about making a bad sound on a turkey call yeah um that will alert them that i'm not a turkey than i am about making it sound good yeah um would you say in that situation that guys like me it's it's probably beneficial to under call um i think i think in general you're always in my opinion you're better to undercall. Man, I was up on the on the game lands on Saturday, and I ended up walking in on a small flock of turkeys that were still roosted. And if you would have heard this hen calling, you'd have been like, what the heck is that? Like, she sounded terrible. I mean, she didn't sound like a guy on the stage in Nashville. She sounded awful. And so I think, I think guys worry about sounding perfect or like a turkey a little too much if you go out and listen to wild turkeys call man they don't they don't sound perfect all the time they make you know they miss they got a sore throat today or whatever it is they got a froggy voice they don't always sound perfect and she sounded like i said she sounded awful but the gobbler that was roosted with her he loved it you know and she was just doing a little tree call and then she got a little bit more excited but i would say in general you're always more safe to under call just because we go back to that point, if you're standing there and just making that turkey gobble and gobble and gobble. You might have a lot of fun doing that. You will have a great time just running your call and listening to him gobble, but you're probably not going to kill that turkey. I mean, how many times have you heard a guy say, man, he gobbled all morning and I couldn't get him in? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's yeah. probably what they were doing. Was yeah. Just like, just every time he gobbled, they're yelping or, yeah. you know. I mean, if you, if you ever watch a hen go through the woods walking and yelping, She's turning her head like, I'm calling here, I'm calling here, and then she's walking five yards, she's scratching. She doesn't, I've never seen a hen. Now, maybe if she comes off the roost or she's in the fall assembling her flock, she'll stand there and just, you know, just. And really hammer on it, especially in the fall, you'll see them do that or right off the roost. But other than that, she's always walking around moving. And if you just go out and plop down and sit there and call, I mean, like I said, I'm talking about the normal. There, right. Of course, every now and then a turkey might come in that way. But in general, you're not going to kill that many turkeys doing that. I, mean, I, I guess to talk a little bit about strategy, what we started talking about earlier, I think that's a, one of the biggest mistakes guys make is they'll get out of their truck and we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They walk a half mile off the road. In the dark, you're standing there, and they hear a turkey gobble, or maybe they just get out of their truck and hurt, and they just sit down and start calling right there. And they, like, maybe that turkey's two, 300 yards away. Again, every now and then you might get a turkey to come in that way, but you got to close the distance on that turkey. you got to get in his zone. You know, if you can get within 100 yards when that turkey's still in the roost, your chances of killing that bird go up tremendously. So I, I can kind of know from the past, like, you know, all the scouting that we've done, and, and we say we locate a turkey um, the day before the season, and we know, you know, within a 
you know, a 50-yard circle where he's roosted. Yep. What's the optimal distance to try and sneak in and plop down before he starts? I mean, I want to get as close. You want to be at 100 yards? I, I if would, you're comfortable, do you get inside that? Yeah. I mean, if and you got to go in super early if you're going to attempt that. I'm talking dark, dark. They got vision. Yeah, and if you start them, then, you know, you never get a chance to hunt them. But now, depending on the lay of the land, you know, you can get away, especially like on a night where it's a little bit soft or rain. You can sneak in pretty tight on Now, if it's crunchy leaves, you might as well forget it, you know. Yeah, and a you're, good moon. Yeah, and a bright moon, yeah. Um, at least I would like to be... Be you know less than 100 yards if I can. 100 yards would be great, but if you can get the 75 yards, I mean, ideally, you could get set up and he's gobbling, and you give him that one little, you know, tree call, and you set it down. Ideally, he's going to pitch down in gun range would be the best case scenario. Right. And so you just kill him as soon as his feet hit the ground. Yeah, I. Uh, it's just such a it's such a cool thing. You know, just to try and figure them out. Oh, my goodness. Um, I would say the one thing, the other thing I want to talk about is, like, I would say everybody's dream scenario the night before the opener. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to set up on this gobbler. He's going to pitch down into this beautiful alfalfa field. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna yelp him in. He's going to strut and gobble every five, yeah. And, I mean, how many times do you shoot one off the roost compared to, you know, at at eight o'clock, yeah. When you've got on them again, or yep. You know, talk about um the the second the second round of the morning. I guess is the best way to put it. Like after he's kind of done his thing at between six thirty and eight thirty, and yeah, you know, that nine to ten o'clock hour. It seems like a lot of turkeys get killed then. Yep. Yeah. So you have your what everybody dreams about your roost hunts, and that's you know, I mean that's probably. I mean, that's a good time to kill him as any, but if he doesn't have hens roosted with him and you get in there tight within 175 yards of him, you got a better than average chance to kill that turkey. As long as you don't do something stupid. Right off the roost. Right off the roost. Like I said, you're hoping that that turkey flies down in gun range almost. Right. And you yelp to him soft and he comes He comes in. Probably doesn't even gobble once he's on the ground. He just, you yelped him, he knows you're there, I'm going to come... You know, ideally, that's the best case scenario. If he flies down and you don't kill him, or he has hens with him, and you give him a half hour to get gathered up with his hens, and he's going to his strut area, I mean, not saying you can't kill him then, but you're going to have to get really lucky. You're going to have to use the terrain, and you're going to have to get in super tight on him. I'm talking 60 yards, 50 yards, almost bushwhacking him, really, is what you're trying to do at that point. Right. And then there'll be a lull there, and he's there strutting. The hens are feeding, getting something to drink. He's strutting, displaying for them. He might breed a hen. And then, you know, 9 o'clock comes. The hens start going back and laying on their nest, and that's when he gets lonely. And then that's where the action can pick back up. I mean, if you can get a turkey to gobble at 1030, you know, the old saying is he's a dead turkey, you know. Yeah. Once you can get one fired up, he's lonely. All you got to do is make sure you don't screw it up. The, right. the bird I killed in West Virginia last year, I think he gobbled at like 10:35, and he was dead at 10:42. Like it's just once he locked in on me, he came probably 300 yards. Yeah. I mean, I cut some of the distance too, but um, so yeah, there is a little bit of a wall. 
best thing to do is freaking just find some shade and take a nap. Cause usually you're getting up at <laughs> three, four in the morning yeah. and just wait them out a little bit. Let the hens, let them do their things and then try to get back onto them when they, you know, split up from the hens later on in the morning. Yeah, the one thing I've probably learned from hunting whitetails with a bow is just sitting still yeah. and being patient yeah. kills more animals than anything. Exactly. If you do your homework and you know you're in the right area, just wait for them and yep. try and make the right move when they present it, you know. I mean, there's and that's sort of like the two fundamental ways to hunt spring gobblers. So there's that way deer hunting them, like man, I for, like your trail cameras. If you I would, know they're here. If you every put a day. blind up there, yeah, and you're and you just committed to it, I'm gonna sit here from dark until end of hunting time. I'm gonna kill a turkey eventually, right? Guaranteed. Like at some point, a gobbler will walk by here, right? So you can deer hunt them like that. It's not nearly as exciting, and you know, make a call every half hour or whatever. Um, or the other style that I really enjoy, you know, we call it running and gunning. So, like, you try to get on a bird off the roost, and then after that, you're just covering as much ground as you can trying to find that one hot, lonely turkey. Yeah. And trying to, you know, make him work to the call. Um, both can, I mean, you're probably, you know, time-wise, you know, if you put in the time, if time was endless, the deer hunting style, you probably kill more turkeys, really. If you got the patience and the time, you can kill turkeys. You don't even have to be a good caller. Well, I can say from experience that, I've tried both, and you know, the the fly down method, yeah. trying to shoot them and and do the whole action right at first light is unbelievable. Oh yeah. Um, and then I, I I've tried to kind of sit through that. Yeah. And then you know, I mean, we've how many times have we done it in my cabin where we're waiting on this turkey and then one rips off four hundred yards and we're like. <laughs> What do we do? <laughs> Let's go get him. Yeah. <laughs> do we stay here because we know one's going to walk by, or do right. we do we try and go make a play on this guy? So it's that's the hardest thing, man. When you hear a turkey, it's hard not to go after him, especially first thing in the morning. Like if you go in blind to a spot, like you didn't get a chance to go up and roost a turkey, and that first turkey gobbles and he's way out there, like four or five hundred yards. That's all. Like you said, that's that time where you're standing there, you're like. Oh man, should I go after him, or how many turkeys am I going to blow off the tree yeah. trying to get to him? So then you're waiting and waiting, and he gobbles again, and nothing else has said anything. And then after it's only so much a man can take. You're like, all right, let's go after him. Um, but I, I like, you know, we've been successful. You and I, the two hunts that we went on, just trolling. What I call trolling, just like a fishing boat, man. You just got your trolling motor out, and you're just hitting areas, and you're just. So we're walking 100 yards calling walking just acting like turkeys feeding scratching and you strike a bird up like that i think you have better luck because that turkey heard you coming from four or five hundred yards away you know he heard me call that first time and we walk a hundred yards ten minutes past we we're taking our time and then i call again and he's like oh you know that turkey's moving around that's a real turkey and then we move another hundred yards and you know change it up a little bit and he's thinking Man, she's coming this way. This is real. I'm not just sitting there at one spot calling. Right. And then when that turkey finally answered us, I know he heard us call, you know, the 300 yards previously when we would make those calls. I know he heard that, but he didn't answer us. And then when we started getting in his zone, he's like, okay, you know, business is picking okay, up. she's yeah. about that life. <laughs> yeah. She's looking, you yeah. know. You throw out those lonely yelps, and, you know, then he answered me, and I and I knew, I mean, you never. there's no guarantees in turkey hunting ever. 
But when he answered me, and then I called and he answered again, I, and it was getting later in the morning. I mean, not real late. It was like 7.30, probably 7. I was like, this he's probably alone, and you, we can, you know, we got a good chance of killing At least getting eyes on this turkey. So, um, but I, I think that moving in, when those turkeys hear you moving in, those gobblers, that just reassures them that, hey, this is a real hen. She's coming looking for me, mm-hmm. and that gets them all the more excited. And then when you shut it down on them, and when I turned and yelped like I was going the other, back the other way, it was more than he could take, and that's what got him to finally break and come yeah. in. I would say one strategy that you taught me that I, I seems like should be common sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if I'd have figured it out eventually or not, but, you know, when you're scouting for turkeys, you're looking for scratching because um, that's what they're doing all day, looking for mm-hmm. bugs and scratching through the leaves and whatnot. Yep. And shutting up on the call when you know they're in their zone. Yep. Given that, <clears throat> given that little rake of the leaves. Yeah. And sounding like, okay, there's a turkey, a hen picking around up there. Yep. That little rake of the leaves is a deadly little move. Right oh there. yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I, I, I remember like it was yesterday. Um, you know when that turkey was coming in, and I was just, I was so frozen, and my heart was beating. <laughs> I remember you just raking those leaves, and I was like. Man, that's a good move. What, like, what's he doing? <laughs> then it registered, you know, just like, scratching. He's, yeah. he's acting like a turkey. <laughs> so I mean, you know, that would probably be my whole, my whole, you know, if there was one thing you could take away, yeah, from this podcast, just, like if you're out there hunting, just act like a turkey would act. Right. Exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what other way? Right. Act like a turkey would act. That's where you want to. That's where you want to throw in those soft purrs and clucks. It's like watch turkeys in the fall. That's what I like doing. That's how I learn a lot. You listen to a flock of turkeys in the fall. That's all they're doing. You know, and just scratching the leaves. Yeah. If you ever watch them, they have like a rhythm to it too. They'll scratch and then take a step up and pick at the dirt, and they'll scratch, take a step up and pick at that dirt. And they got a little. I mean, you can't just you know brush your hands and leave. They have a little rhythm to it. So I mean, I mean, that's what they do all day, that's, every day. That's, you can you can track them that way, man. That's all they do. Yeah. Either get in the field or woods and just freaking scratch and peck. Yeah. It's a tough way to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that's, yeah. laughs> well, I mean, do you, do you have anything else for the people here? Um. No, I mean, we could sit and <laughs> I probably rambled too much. Hopefully, somebody got something out of it. I mean. I get. I mean, I guess the biggest. I think the biggest mistake people make is just sleeping in. I'll say with deer hunting, man, you got to get out there, but don't be afraid. Jeff told me when we started hunting, you can't be afraid to move in on turkeys. He said, if you're not, when I was starting out, he said, if you're not bumping a couple, you're not trying to get close enough. Okay, that's a good. That's yeah, a, that's a good. Yeah. Tip. So, I mean, it sucks when you bump them, man. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you might as well just pick up and go to a different area because that turkey's done at least for the day or at least for half a day. But you're not going to sit there on a regular basis and call a turkey in from 400 yards. It's just not going to happen. Right. There's too much stuff that can go wrong. Like we were talking earlier, I think half the time he's just going to lose interest and forget what he was doing right. because we talk if they're smarter, you know, dumb or whatever. But 
a coyote could come in and booger him. Another hen could cut him off. I've had turkeys coming in working, and I've seen wild hens run through the woods to that gobbler and take him away. So you gotta get you gotta get in close to them, especially on the roost. But even when you're working the turkey, that's where the woodsmanship. That's where knowing the lay of the land. And just said, look, you're gonna spook a couple, but you got to because if you're not spooking them. You're not getting close enough. And then you learn as you get in. I don't spook too many now. I'll probably spook one now. I said it the first day. But you you got to try to get in their zone. I'm talking within 125 yards. That's where you're really thinking you're in the game, and that's where you really have a chance to kill that turkey. When they're at 200 yards or 300 yards, I mean, yeah, it's fun to hear them gobble, but you're you're not in the game yet. you got to get in the game. So, yeah, I, I guess that's probably one, one of the tips I would give to people is, don't be afraid to, to move in on them. Use the turn. You got to be smart though, because they can see and hear from like an eagle. Oh, unbelievably! So you got to be you got to use the terrain. But um, so just have fun with it. Be safe. Identify your target. We talked about that. Don't worry about so much how you sound a call practice. But if you listen to wild hens, they sound you know they don't sound perfect. So well, I would say as my concluding thought here. Yeah. My brother's famous line, my brother's a fishing guide, or was, yeah. is there's a difference between a fly fisherman and a guy who fishes with a fly rod. <laughs> and there's a difference between a turkey hunter and a guy who turkey hunts. Right, yeah. Yeah. So. I like that. You know? Yeah, it's true. Put in your put in your work, put in your time. Yeah. And uh find you know. somebody to help you out because it's tough. Like I said, if if anybody plays golf you can relate. It's a lot there's a huge learning curve to it. Yeah. But don't get discouraged by it. Like and said, go out yeah. and enjoy it. Exactly. You know? It's a man, we've been in Pennsylvania, <laughs> we've been pinned up all winter and Clayton texted me the other day and uh he said, I I think I'm fired up about turkey hunting again. I'm like, oh, yeah, what got you that? And he said, well, just seeing some of these pictures on my trail cam, but I'm just ready to be outside and kill something again. I'm just ready <laughs> so, to hunt an yeah, animal. Exactly, yeah. I'm just ready to hunt again. And it's, so it's a, man, to go out and listen to the whippoorwills wake up and uh, the see, peepers. See some deer in the morning. Yeah, and... exactly. And just, man, the mornings here in Pennsylvania, usually, and it's usually like, it can be pretty chilly in the 30s, but 40s, 50s. And then the afternoons warm up to I mean, it's just a great time to be outside. A t- uh, hearing a turkey gobble, it doesn't sound like much till you're, till you're there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it'll change your life. It, man. So get just get out there and experience nature, and you know, get become a become a part of the cycle. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yep. So, uh, that concludes the episode. I mean, thanks to Seth for coming and, you know, explaining all that. That's some, that's some high level turkey hunting from the turkey whisperer himself, I call him. I mean, the dude smashes turkeys every year. Probably going to do it again this year. Um, hopefully one more plug. If you listen to the last episode, Jason Batchel, Bakedel, however he wants us to pronounce his name, I'm going to say bachelor just to piss him off but um 11 o'clock gear house brewing company this saturday, saturday yeah he's setting up his pulley whistle provisions pulley whistle provisions yeah. he's setting up his truck if you haven't had his cooking 
shame on you. <laughs> Come out, gear house, drink some beer, have a great time, and, and eat some of Jason's cooking, and shoot a gobbler, and, and cook it up, and, you know, let us know how it turned out, so... That. Yeah, we'll try not to make it another month and a half. Hopefully we'll have some in-season updates like we did with deer season. Yeah, we're so. going scouting in the morning. We'll be up in about seven hours to get on these uh, gobblers and, and get them pinned down. So good luck, everybody. Out.